0: well good morning everybody we are glad woo thank you whoever that was good morning Um, it's good to be in the house of the Lord isn't it together Uh, I I had a drug problem growing up I don't know if you guys did maybe some of you guys don't know this about me but uh, my parents drugged me to church on Sunday morning drugged me to church on Sunday Uh, pastor joke it's the only thing worse than a dad joke. It's a pastor joke, but I'm uh, just kidding. But all that to say, I've been around the block enough to know. Oh, and we might want to turn this little uh, confidence monitor on, if somebody could do that. Uh, you know, been around. If anybody who's been raised in a Christian home and whatnot, you you know the difference between um, church as kind of a thing that you attend and spectate and just a nice, cool, amazing inspirational show, which can be great as well, I love those, uh, but man, when you just sense the presence of God in the room, you know, and just that tenderness of worshiping Jesus and touching his heart, and again, I'm not saying that doesn't happen in a large venue, it absolutely does, um, but but I believe, whether large or small, when the hearts of the people are saying, Jesus, we just want to touch you, you know what I'm saying, we're not trying to, to manufacture something, we just enjoy being with you, I believe that God is pleased, and so thank you for worshiping Jesus, because guess what? Because you guys worship Jesus with all your hearts, I get to benefit from it. <laughs> because he's rejoicing in it, his presence descends, and, and we all benefit together. So thank you for, for loving him and for being family together. Uh, hey, I'm uh, DJ, I'm one of the pastors here, and we are in a series called, uh, what is it called? Jesus at the Center. Give it up for Jordan, our amazing tech director. Uh, here at Shine and creative director. Yes, Jesus at the center. And uh, incredible, obviously, principle that that I think applies to so many areas of our lives. I think we could probably stay on this theme until Jesus returns because I don't know that that ever really expires or goes irrelevant. And so uh, this just is one more amazing week uh, about a truth that I think God wants us to understand about who he is, who Jesus is, and how we can keep him center focus. And so we're gonna be talking about Jesus, our friend, Uh, Jesus, our friend. I think this is a game changer. Now granted, whoever preached a couple weeks ago or three or whatever would probably say their revelation was a game changer. And it probably was. But we're here today, so I get to say this one is a game changer. But uh, it's, I really do believe it is. And uh, if you want to follow along uh, on your notes, you can go to the UVersion app on your device and look for events and look for Castle Rock and look for Shine Church. You can find the notes that way. If you've missed some of the teachings uh, that are part of this series of Jesus at the Center, like Jesus being our Redeemer. Jesus being our righteousness, Jesus being our peace, Jesus being our healer. Woo! I mean, amazing stuff. You can go back on our YouTube channel, Shine Church CO for Colorado, and and watch those uh, as you desire. But today, I want to talk about Jesus is our friend. And um, really, um, I get to start with kind of a fun thing, and that is the shortest verse in the entire Bible. I'm sure probably some of you know what that is. Do any of you venture to say, what is the shortest verse in the Bible? Wow, you guys are amazingly brilliant. Um, Yes, Jesus wept, and that is found, ooh, tougher question, Bible trivia, since we're going here, what chapter and book is it found in? John? No fair, because your name is John. Close? Closer? Whoa, 36, John 36. (laughs) Wow, there's entire segments of the Gospel of John that we have just been discovered. No, I'm just kidding. It's John 11. And I wanted to start there and give a little bit of context to why that verse is so powerful. It literally is two words, unless you're in the NLT, then it's three words because it says then Jesus wept. I'm like, come on, guys, don't add a word to the shortest verse. Can we just leave it at two words? It preaches better that way. But anyway, whether it's two or three, we know there weren't chapters and verses back when it was written. But uh, Jesus wept. Why is that reality so life-changing for us today? Uh, wanted to just read a little bit of the story of what was going on. And so I'm going to read verses 1 through 7 and verses 30 through 37. You can follow along on the screens or on your device. But it says this, a man named Lazarus was sick. He lived in Bethany with his sisters Mary and Martha. This is the Mary who later poured the expensive perfume on the Lord's feet and wiped them with her hair. Her brother Lazarus was sick, so the two sisters sent a message to Jesus telling him, Lord, and listen to this description, Lord, your dear friend is very sick. When Jesus heard about it, he said "Lazarus's sickness will not end in death. No, it happened for the glory of God so that the Son of God will receive Glory from this. Keep that answer in mind because that comes into play a little bit later. So, although Jesus loved Martha, Mary, and Lazarus, he stayed where he was for the next two days. Finally, he said to his disciples, let's go back to Judea. Now, I'm gonna summarize what happens. Because of his delay, it ends up that, again, this is a long several days walk to where they were going. In the meantime, Lazarus died and was buried in the tomb and obviously his family was heartbroken over that so we're going to pick it up at verse 30 Jesus had stayed outside the village at the place where Martha met him when the people who were at the house consoling Mary saw her leave so hastily they assumed she was going to Lazarus's grave to weep so they followed her there when Mary arrived and saw Jesus she fell at his feet and said and tell me if you've been in this situation where you've prayed and cried This prayer to the Lord. Lord, if only, if only, if only you had been here, my brother would not have died. Pause just for a minute in this passage. Have you ever found yourself in that place? If only, God, where were you? This happened to me, God. This hurts. This isn't isn't fun. I thought you were a protector. I thought you were a shield. I thought you were a defender. Why did I lose my job? Why was I molested? Why was my child hurt in this situation? Why did that friendship crash and burn and I'm left picking up the pieces? God, why, if you had been here? Lord, it doesn't feel like you were here. Uh, My brain tells me, oh yes, God is everywhere and God is faithful and he will never leave us nor forsake us, so I kind of, I know the right answer, but have you ever been in that place where it just doesn't feel like God was here? And where were you? And that's what she was asking Jesus, where were you, Lord? You're a friend of our family. Why weren't you here? You could have stopped this. This could have looked very differently. It says this in verse 33. When Jesus saw her weeping and saw the other people wailing with her, a deep anger welled up within him, and he was deeply troubled. Where have you put him? He asked them. They told him, Lord, come and see. And here's that verse. Then Jesus wept. And that word for weep, there's a couple different words for weep in the Greek. One of them is to wail loudly, and they would even have, if you know a little bit of the Hebrew culture, they would even pay professional mourners to weep and wail for past loved ones, right, for, for the deceased, because it was kind of a status symbol of the more people you had wailing, the more people you had crying and loudly, right, uh, boisterously uh, mourning the loss, then of course the more you could say that person was loved and the more impact their life had had. But that's not the word that's used here for Jesus, it actually means silently shedding tears. It's a very intimate, a very personal kind of crying and weeping in pain. And verse 36 says, the people who were standing nearby said, see how much he loved him? But some said, this man healed the blind man. Couldn't he have kept Lazarus from dying? So I wanna start off this morning by asking a question. And it's not a rhetorical question, it's actually an interactive question. I would love to hear your thoughts on this. Uh, if you're new to Shine, kind of we're, for lack of a better term, an interactive church. Uh, we're, we're graced with, with the luxury of being a little bit smaller in our sanctuary and we have the opportunity to, to let you share what you're hearing from the Holy Spirit. We truly believe that, that if Jesus is your savior, you hear from God. And so even if it's your first time here or if you've been here since the inception, we welcome you to kind of raise your hand and give an answer. We actually have a handheld mic. Uh, is that you, Kyler, in the back with it? Yep. So raise your hand. Kyler will come to you, and you can give that response. But I wanted to ask, why do you think Jesus wept? Jesus was the author of life. He was the resurrection and the life. He's able to completely make the situation right. And he, in fact, he was about to do that. Spoiler alert, right? He was about to raise Lazarus from the dead. And he did go on and do that. And it was an amazing celebration of of, of incredible joy. But why in this moment in the story did Jesus weep? Peter.
1: As a pastor at Shine, I feel like I shouldn't be the first one to raise
0: my hand, but I'm (laughs) going to anyways. Love it. Uh, I actually love this, I think, I think it's because Jesus, I believe God, is present with us in the moment, even though he knows what's to come. He knows the fullness that's coming, the health and life that is to come. He is present with you in that moment. So good. So good. Somebody else? We're going to get you help you get your steps in today, Kyler.
1: <laughs> I got the impression that it was their lack of faith that made him weep.
0: Okay. We know he mentioned to the disciples, right, when he calmed the storm, oh, you have little faith. Come on, guys. Don't you understand my Bible? Maybe some of that. Absolutely. Somebody else?
1: So I'm stealing an answer from last night from Mr. Bill, who was here. Mm. But he said that his thought was that Uh, Jesus never
0: intended for his people to experience death. And Mm. that made him weep. Wow. Yeah. Wow. The author of life, the author of creation, who never wanted death, never wanted sickness, never wanted tears and mourning. And in fact, we find in Revelation, the last chapter or two in the Bible, it says he will wipe away all tears, no more crying, no more death, no more sorrow. He's going to make it right. So maybe, yeah, that creator seeing how far we had deviated from his original plan of love. I love that, Dan.
1: So, because Jesus is fully
0: God, yet he was also fully man. Why the God man? <sighs> wow. So he was fully human. Mm. so good, so good. Absolutely. Just shows his, the genuineness of his humanity. It wasn't just a, you know, an earth suit up here, John. Oh, absolutely, so good.
1: Expression of sympathy and/or empathy, maybe both. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. He felt closely, right? Absolutely. Anybody else?
1: I thought maybe because it says that, that was their very dear friends that maybe he felt bad seeing them go through that hurt or crying and mourning and weeping that it's like you never want to be the cause sometime of mm. making your friends wow. go through that. Wow. So yeah, it's kind of just maybe it's a mix of everything too. So I think
0: that's a yeah, I think that's a gr- obviously we could continue to talk about it and it's I think an important question but I think all of those answers, right, have an element of, of the truth in them of of all of it, of the humanity of him, of of the sorrow, of of the lack of faith perhaps too, all all of it together. And I think you know, if I could summarize it, I think, and again, you guys have shared this. It's, it's I think, because they were friends, and that's what friends do, right? When we're around people that are hurting, we hurt with them. It's almost impossible to be a friend and not feel the pain of your friends around you. And It doesn't matter. All of the, but I'm gonna make it better, but this, that, but I'm doing God's will by staying an extra two days and not being here yet, and, you know, all of that, doesn't change at the heart level what a friend feels. And I believe that Jesus very much felt this. And he is our friend. And I think that's the game changer, right, for us, is that the king of kings, Jesus, came to be your friend and my friend. And I just want to let that sink in for a second. Because that truly, if you think about it, right, think of you. I'm not talking about the person next to you. I'm not talking about the pastors of Shine Church. I'm talking about you, Jesus, the creator of the universe, God made flesh, has desired to walk in friendship with you and has offered you his friendship. Not when you quit sinning, not when you get your life figured out, not when you have more of the fruit of the Holy Spirit, not when you read your Bible more, not when you're more faithful in giving or church attendance or anything else. Right now, Jesus wants you to know He holds his hand of friendship open to you and to me. And it's a powerful thing. Listen to the words of John chapter 15. Jesus was uh, with the disciples and he was uh, having the last supper, right? Celebrating the Passover together and getting ready to lay down his life. And listen to the words uh, from verse 13 through 15. I'm reading in the NIV. It says this, greater love, Jesus speaking, greater love has no one than this to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. Screeching halt. We're like, wait, I thought this was good news. Now we're like, oh, I knew it. It was too good to be true. It's if we do what he commands. Are you ready? That's a long list, right? No. See, this is like just letting it sit there. Just a little bit of the awkwardness, right? All these disciples who were part of the first covenant, they're like, oh no, 613 laws. Ah, I knew it. It's just like, okay, psych, because later on in that passage, he's like, and here's my command. What is his command? To love one another. He's like, guys, I'm just teasing. <laughs> it's, it comes right back to love. I want to be your friends. You're my, oh yeah, and you're, guess what? Like, just, just continue in this, in this flow, in this river. And it never has to end if we obey, you're my friends, if you do what I command. Then verse 15, I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, and here's the powerful phrase, I have called you friends for everything that I learned from my father, I have made known to you. Woo. This is some good stuff. I just believe that in this passage, there's Two ingredients that stand out to me. Again, we could talk about friendship for until the Lord comes back, right? There's literally so much here and I encourage you to study it out and read books and journal about what God has shown you in your own relationships. You could stand up here and teach volumes about friendship. I have no doubt about it. But in the limited time we have, I just really believe that God wanted us to unpack just the the very two simple ingredients to his friendship that are right here in this passage. And, um, and that's going to really help us to, to understand how this can change our lives. Um, again, Jesus is the best friend that we could ever have. In uh, Proverbs 18.24, it says this, A man of many companions may come to ruin, but there is a friend, there is a friend, who sticks closer than a brother. And I know this was written 900 years before Jesus physically came to earth, but I believe that in some way it's a foreshadowing of him as a friend. Not that there can't be other friends in our life, and I hope you have those friends who stick closer than a brother, who, who you can lean on in times of trouble, who you can share your, 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 you know, the intimacies of your heart with, but I think in, 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 in some way it's also speaking of Jesus, that you know what, when everyone else abandons us, we have a friend who sticks closer than a brother. And I think if we truly come to understand and truly come to believe that, and truly come to lay hold of that and grasp that, it can change everything in our lives. But let's jump in. Two ingredients that we see here. The first one that I saw is that friends love. Friends, a friend loves. Would you agree with that? Is that an ingredient in the friendships that you know? Is there that, that love? And here's how I know it from this passage, because Jesus says, "No greater love has no one than this that they lay down their life for their friends. Interestingly enough, we're about to celebrate Veterans Day this week, and I realize the difference between Memorial Day and Veterans Day, right? Memorial Day, we celebrate those who have paid the ultimate price, laid down their lives in a physical sense for our freedom. And obviously, it's it's appropriate that we, that we sanctify that day and, and their memory and, and celebrate that. But even celebrating Veterans Day, I think we have an opportunity to honor Those who have put their life on the line. And thank God you haven't necessarily been called to physically lay down your life with the ultimate sacrifice, but you have said, you know what? I will go. I will stand in the gap. Because I put myself in this position, others can be protected. Others can be safe. Others can be free. And so, um, why not take a second right now if there's somebody in here who has served or is currently serving in the armed forces, I know you probably hate this because you're modest, you don't want recognition, you don't want, you don't want this. But as family, sometimes we just do things because it's right, right? The word of God says, give honor to those whom honor is due. So I wanna just take a quick parenthesis from this message. Quick stretch break. If you have served or are serving in the armed forces, would you stand right now and let us honor you? Guys, let's give it up for these men and women. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Again, you guys, by putting yourself in this situation, I believe you've exemplified that a friend loves. You've exemplified what Jesus was talking about. And the cool thing is, Jesus isn't just words. Have you found that about him? <laughs> he, he has a way of walking the talk. And Jesus was about to do that very thing that he just said, hey, a friend lays down his life for others, for his friends, and he was about to do that literally within the next few hours. There's two words for love in the Greek that I get to talk about in weddings. I officiate a number of weddings uh, kind of on the side, if you will, and I typically talk to couples about three different words for love, and today I just wanted to, talk to, to highlight two of them because um, I think they exemplify the two ingredients of friendship that we're talking about here. The first one is this, agape. Agape is a Greek word and it symbolizes uh, preferring and honoring someone else because we have made a choice or a decision to do so. And that is an incredible, supernatural, force of nature kind of love, right? Have you experienced that love when someone has made a decision and has stuck it out? I hope if you're married that you are experiencing and you're walking in the reality of someone who is sitting with you or standing with you and has said, you know what? I have decided to love you, and I'm going to stick with it. I'm going to love you on the days that I feel it. I'm like, woo! I'm so in love. And then on the days where I'm like, oh, dear Jesus, right? What, what did I do? Oh, God. You know, like Job. We don't have to curse God, but we can curse the day of our birth, right? May the day of my birth. No, I'm just kidding. Whatever comes, right? Hell or high water. I'm sure we've all been through the ups and downs, right, of any relationship, of a friendship, perhaps. But it's that decision to be like, I'm going to stick it out. I'm going to forgive my friend. I'm going to work towards reconciliation. I'm going to do this. Why? Because I made a decision. And Jesus has made that decision for you. I'm thankful that he made a decision to be like, as messed up as DJ and most of the other people down there are, I am going to make their problem my problem. Because we understand, right? He didn't have to do that. He could have been like, guys, I set you up. I made the planet. I got it spinning, tilted it a little bit so you get, you know, 74 degree days in November in Colorado. But guys, you went and messed it all up. You had to disobey me. You had to like, da, ah, not trust me. And now sickness and death and all these terrible things and hurt and pain and wounds. Well, good luck with everything. Right? I mean, he, he would have been just in saying that, but he didn't. He's like, I am making a decision. And some of you even hate me, right? Ephesians says, while we were enemies of Christ, or while we were enemies of God, he made us alive in Christ Jesus. He took on our sin. He's like, load it on, load it on. I'm gonna carry it. I'm gonna carry it for you. It's a decision-based love. And What happens when someone does that for us? Think about your life. What has happened because someone made a sacrifice for you? I don't know. Maybe it was parents that helped you get an education that pushed you to be better. Maybe it was a friend who said, you know what, during this dark season of your life, why don't you drop off your kids at our house so you guys can go have a date and work on your marriage? Or maybe it was, you know, a friend who just reached out to you first day of school and just made you feel welcome, made you feel like you mattered, made you feel like you belong when you didn't have any other friends. I don't know. To whatever degree someone may be sacrificed and just made a decision to honor you, to love you, How did that change your life? How did that, what did that do in your heart? To feel loved, to feel honored, right? When it could have gone so many different ways. Someone just chose that. Maybe you chose to do it for someone else. It's a powerful thing, isn't it? It's a powerful thing God has built in to just making a sacrificial decision to love and honor someone else. I believe we'll never know until we get to heaven the result of the little teeny ways that we bless someone the little teeny ways that we made them feel like they mattered, like they weren't just a number on planet Earth. And Jesus certainly has done that for us. Romans 8 tells us that nothing in all of creation, right, nothing can separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. I love that, and I'm thankful for that element of friendship. But what about this? There's another element of friendship in that passage, and that's this. Friends not only love, but I believe that friends share. Friends, share. And specifically in this passage, the, the 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 phrase that makes me think of that is when Jesus said, Everything I've learned from my father, I've made known to you. Right? He says before, like servants don't know their master's business, right? The master kind of keeps the cards close to his chest, like, hey, just go get the water, bring it back, go, you know, slop the hogs, go do this, go, you know, milk the cows, you know, whatever it is. And I don't have to explain myself. I don't have to tell you why it's important. I don't have to validate your feelings about it. If you're employed here, this is what I need you to do, right? We've, perhaps we've all been there at some point in our careers when it was like, right, we're the, there's like three levels of, of manhood in an article that I read, but the first one is schlepper. And typically, most of us at some level begin with schlepping. That just means kind of like, oh, okay, I'm gonna go over here, pick up the toolbox, come back here, <laughs> that's schlepping. <laughs> but normally servants schlep, right, in some way. Those of us who were kind of starting out minimum wage, whatever it might be, we're schlepping until we grow and God, whatever, opens doors and all that kind of stuff. And Jesus is saying, hey, normally this is how it looks, right? There's a master and then there's schleppers. But with you, that's not what I'm saying. Everything the Father has revealed to me, I have made known to you. Can you imagine being in on all that the Father had revealed to Jesus? I mean this is the guy that spent all night praying in the hills of Galilee before walking on water, before calming the storm. Speaking can you imagine speaking to the storm? Command you be still. <sighs> what would it have been like to be privy to the things that the Father spoke to Jesus in private? And Jesus is saying, "Guys, I want to be an open book with you. I don't want to hold it close. I just want to like lay it all on the table. I want to be transparent." Someone said last night, "Tears Make the soul transparent to each other. Make us literally be able to see into each other's hearts. And I believe that's what Jesus was saying here. I'm inviting you guys to be my friends, to just literally lay it all on the table. What do we share with our friends? I just wrote down a couple of thoughts. I'm sure you could add more. We share treasure, right? The things that really matter most to us. Have you done that with your friends? Is there someone in your life that you've been able to share what really matters to you? what you really treasure, what you really hope for in your future. Maybe it's you want to find a great spouse. Maybe it's that you want to find a great job that aligns with your passions and get paid to do what you love most. Maybe it's to leave a legacy, to reconcile those kids that aren't talking to you or that whatever, there's been a rift in a relationship. I mean, whatever it might be. Wow, how sweet is it to have a friend to share that stuff with? Maybe it's to set the world record of kazoo players in one place. 5,280, just saying, guys. It's going to happen one of these years. Talk to Michael Kirk right here. We already have the application from Guinness Book of World Records. I'm not kidding. Whatever your treasure is, whatever makes you tick, right? Whatever motivates you, whatever makes you come alive, lights a fire in your soul. What about this, the why? Do we share the why with our friends? What's going on if we're in process? Have you ever been in a situation where you know what God maybe long-term wants you to do or you know forgive humble yourself own that thing you said or did but you're like i'm just not ready uh, i'll try again tomorrow nope not tomorrow <laughs> you know have you ever been in that place where it's just like yes i know what probably god wants or what the word of god is saying but i'm in process i'm just still kind of wrestling like Jacob with the angel, right? I'm not ready to just kind of do and follow the Lord and trust him in that thing. Have you ever had a friend come alongside you in that, in that moment and just not judge you, you know? Just love you, just sit with you and be like, okay. Maybe there's a season in your life where you didn't want anything to do with church, right? You've been burned or there's folks who, you know, aren't here today because they're in that situation. They've been burned, they've been hurt too bad and they're like, ah, I don't wanna go back to any church. And maybe they somehow know, like, well, probably that's not the ultimate answer that I want to kind of land on forever. But right now, I just don't feel, I feel captivated by my, my hurt and my feeling, my emotions, my heart, whatever. Dude, what about a friend who just comes alongside and doesn't preach, doesn't judge, but just loves? Just goes, ah, that's got to be hard. I can't imagine what you're feeling right now. You know, I'm here for you. I here. let's go talk about it. Do you want to go out and get a you know, non-alcoholic beer or something? You never know who's going to be listening. Anyway. What about this? Do friends share the truth with each other? Have you been able to share the truth with a friend? And here's what I mean by that. I think an essential part of friendship that is lifelong, that can continue to be, as Pastor John used to say in a marriage, not just enduring but endearing, that actually gets sweeter as the days go by, would you not agree that an essential part of that is being able to share truth from my heart to yours and from your heart to mine? So one of the ways that this has looked in our marriage, Cami has been speaking truth into my life, and I always receive it very humbly and perfectly, really, I would say. I mean, I think, you know, it's like, honey, that is such a beautiful insight about my personality and you're right, I do use my hands too much to express myself. And I do get too loud in conversations and too passionate. No, I'm just kidding. I have not really responded very well many times. But one that I think I responded more or less okay, I mean, in jest, I might have pushed back a little bit, but is when she was like, honey, you have a problem. Many problems, actually, but one that stands out is that you snore. <laughs> and it's bothering me. I can't get good, a good night's rest. And as you know, my wife is a very, very beautiful woman. She needs her beauty sleep. And I don't want to be fighting that, right? I mean, hey, right? Note to self, Lincoln. When you marry a beautiful woman, you let her get her beauty rest. And so I'm like, I need to do something. But there was a willingness to exchange some truth that might not have been like, oh, my gosh, you're perfect. It might have been like, hey, here's an area that might be, in a sense, producing some friction, some frustration, keeping me from being my best self or even keeping the two of us from just fully enjoying each other, right? And how beautiful is it when in the context of friendship, we're able to share those things with each other? Have you had that with a friend? Can you think of, you don't have to share this. I'm not not like microphone, you know. (laughs) But I mean, just asking, have you you had a friend that you've been able to share something that might've taken a bit of a risk? Because wow, what happens if they don't receive it well? Could the friendship blow up? Could it be over? Could they judge you? I can't believe you attacked me. Or, you know, or vice versa, whatever, right? But have you ever experienced it work well? Where on the other side of that, there was actually an even closer coming together? Sometime I'll have to tell you about the story of Pastor Dan and me. I don't know if I've told it recently. And the week that we didn't talk to each other. Have You heard this one? And we almost got in a fist fight. I'm not going to talk about it because I don't have time. It's 11.06, but suffice it, I'm I'm being 100% truthful with you. A few years ago, many years ago actually, we were both on staff at Jubilee and we literally close to hated each other and this sanctuary used to have the chairs facing that wall. The stage was right there and my wife came up to me on a Saturday night right in front of the sound booth right there and she a.k.a. Mrs. Holy Spirit was like, you need to humble yourself and make this right. This is ridiculous. You guys are both Christians, you're both pastors, and you're both grown men for crying out loud, and you need to figure this out. And I was like, of course, immediately reacted, yes, honey, you're so full of wisdom. Thank you, Lord, for giving you to me. (laughs) No, It's probably not exactly verbatim how that looked, but I was probably like, and then You know, driving home, you know, Holy Spirit's like, hey, You hear that thing your wife told you? (laughs) Like, I rebuked it as the enemy, you know. (laughs) Get thee behind me. Long story short, I'm like, okay, I need to go reconcile. But um, I was like, if I go to his house, they lived in Highlands Ranch still, as we did. I was like, we literally could get in a fist fight on the driveway, and it could be very, very ugly. Like, two pastors indicted, you know, Now we probably, good news, we probably would have reconciled in the jail cell if we had had a, you know, we would have had quality sort of captive audience time. Whoa, no pun intended. Um, But that's not how it worked. I I had this idea, Pastor Dan likes Mountain Dew. He doesn't drink coffee, but he likes Mountain Dew. So I'm like, I'm gonna go buy a 12-pack of Mountain Dew at King Supers. So I went, Mountain Dew, King Supers, Highlands Ranch, by the Ace Hardware, uh, Highlands Ranch Parkway and and University, buy a 12-pack. As I'm walking out the door, of King Supers, my phone rings. I'm like, Who is? Oh, Dan me. And I just literally had this like cold shiver go down my spine. I'm like, huh. so I answer. He's like, hey. I'm like, hey. He's like, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm coming over to your house. He's like, you are. <laughs> it was just a queer moment for that. And I'm like, yeah. And he's like, oh, okay. Well, we'll see you here then. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Drive over to his house, and there on the driveway, you know, again. I don't know what he was thinking, I know kind of what I was thinking, like, uh-huh. God, this, this sharing of truth could go any number of ways, but I'm telling you what, there were not just two per- people who met on that driveway, but there was a third, the Lord, he'll something write a song about, you know, there's another in the fire or something, anyway, God met us in that moment, and, you know, we were able to talk for half an hour, and just said, hey, you know what? all that my judging of you of how you do your ministry and he was saying, well, my judging of you and how you do your ministry, hey, we're two different crackers and if you need to be, you know, off in la-di-da land at Starbucks till 10.15 reading your Bible and journaling DJ while I'm at 8.02 already on my computer answering emails, so be it. We can love each other. We can do ministry a little bit differently but man, I believe that you want Jesus to be glorified and I believe that you want Jesus to be glorified and I'll tell you guys what, I had actually told him, you're not my friend, at one point. I told him, because, you know, we were just like, "Uh," and I was like, you're not a friend. You pick at me and jab at me, and we don't like each other that much. You're a work associate, you're a companion, but you're not my friend. And that hurt him deeply. He had no idea, I think, that that's how I felt in my heart. And I can tell you one thing. After that confrontation, and after the awkwardness of sharing truth with each other, and after the awkwardness of letting the Holy Spirit use that to soften each of our hearts, We came together, and that was the beginning of actually a deeper level of friendship, where to this day, Dan is one of the closest friends I have on this earth. We love each other, we trust each other, we speak truth to each other. God is able to do incredible things, guys, when we kinda let the walls down. But you know what, I think in order to do that, we've gotta have that other ingredient in place, right? I think for those disciples to receive the truth of Jesus in their lives, It worked way better because they knew this guy's willing to take a bullet for us. This guy's willing to lay down his life for us. This guy's committed to us to the end. Think about your life, right, with a friend. If there's a friend that you know has your back, that you know is committed to, to your success and your health, is it much easier then to receive when there is a moment of sharing some truth? And again, truth can be awesome, right? Truth can be like, oh my gosh, you're the greatest at that. You know, I love that kind of truth too, right? Woohoo, that's your superpower. I hope we're, I hope as friends, we're drawing out the gold in each other. I hope we're encouraging each other in sharing truth about, dude, you're awesome at that. I told, I'm gonna pick on Jordan. I told him last night, Jordan, you're an amazing communicator doing the verbals and stuff. Do you guys agree? This guy's an amazing communicator. And I said, not only are you extremely talented, not only do you wear girl jeans that I couldn't fit into. No, I didn't say that part. I didn't, sorry, I added that. I added that this morning. I didn't really say that. But I said, not only are you a great communicator, but here's the thing you, you express the vision behind each event, right? Do you guys catch that? Do you guys kind of feel like this guy's not like, yeah, we have another baptism, and yeah, you should plug in, sign up for our newsletter. It's like, hey, plug in, meet somebody, get on the newsletter so you know what's going on. Man, if you haven't been baptized, that's a public declaration. I mean, Woo, glory, fire. But again, I hope part of our truth-telling is calling out, you know, encouraging each other like no one else can. So that's, but, but, but it includes all the above, right? When it's a difficult or risky or truth that can really, if we get over it, we can really come together even closer. I'm, ter- I'm here to tell you guys I've experienced that. And I know you have too. Let's remember that. And that's in our walk with Jesus, in our friendship with each other, I think that's a powerful, powerful truth. Proverbs 27, verse six says, wounds from a friend can be trusted, but an enemy multiplies kisses. Isn't it sweet when we get to a place in friendship where, wow, even when you wound me, in a sense of, you know, my ego or my, I don't want to hear it, but I can trust that it's from a heart that desires the very best for me and desires for us to be even closer tomorrow than we are today. I love that. I think the enemy fears what happens when the two ingredients come together, right? As long as it's just like, oh yeah, I'll make a generic decision to love you, but I don't have to like you, right? And that's, I mean, that's agape love. I can just make a decision to lay down my life, but it really doesn't have as much to do with like. It's just a decision-based love. When that comes together with phileo, I guess I didn't mention that one. Sorry, skipped over it. Okay, Um, phileo is the second word, and that means this, showing warm affection in intimate friendship characterized by tender, heartfelt consideration and kinship. And the noun of that, friend, is a friend, someone dearly loved or prized in a personal, intimate way, a trusted confidant held dear in a close bond of personal affection. That is not just decision-based, that's experience-based. That's, that's, that's right here. That's the gut love. When you just start to like, I, I feel you know, a bond with you. I feel like I want to pray for you during the week, not just like, oh, yes, right, the right Christian thing to do would be, to, oh, Lord, bless so-and-so, right? We've all been at that decision-based love, but man, when it kicks into that phileo, experience-based, now because we actually are rubbing shoulders together and working out our differences and sharing each other's hearts and souls and bearing who we are with each other in genuineness, something really rich can start to grow when both of those things come together. Whoo, watch out. Watch out, world. Watch out, enemy, when we begin to walk in this. Proverbs 3.32 says this, for the Lord detests the, detests the perverse, but takes the upright into his confidence. Or the NLT says he offers his friendship to the godly. God is saying, man, I wanna bring you in. Not just I gave my life for you as a decision, but on an affection level, I want us to walk together to where my gut and your gut just have that attraction and that, that kinship. That sweet, sweet friendship. 1 John 4, just want to mention this because Pastor Peter's in the room and he loves this chapter. Says, we love because he first loved us. I think that's First John 4. <laughs> or if not, somewhere in First John. We love because he first loved us, right? The only reason that we can even express friendship is because we've received it from him. Do you agree? He's the one that, that models that. He's the one that, that pulls us into that to where it even... We understand by receiving it first. You know, the word of God says freely you have received, freely give. Jesus washed his disciples' feet two chapters earlier, right, that same night first, and then said now that you've received, now that you know what it feels like to feel like a king with other people washing your feet, now go forth and do that. Make other people feel like kings. Because the king of kings has washed your feet. That's kind of how he rolls, right? Is being a friend first to us. Pouring his unselfish love first to us. Pulling us close first. And then saying, now, how does that feel? Now that you're secure. Now that you're safe. Now that you know that you're not going to be judged. That you're free to try and fail and try again. Now go and live from that freedom. And even show that kind of friendship to others. To where it changes the world. So, in response... How do we respond to this? I'd like to just offer an opportunity for us to quietly reflect on what the Holy Spirit wants to tell you right now in your walk with him. How is Jesus whispering to your soul? How is he saying, hey, I want you to know how unwavering my decision to love you is? That undying love that lays down his life for his friends? Or how is he saying, I wanna share who I am with you and just pull you closer? Or maybe it's a two-way street, right? Is he inviting you saying, man, I want you to share your burdens with me or your pain. I want you to talk and I'll listen, right? Is he sharing, is he asking you to take a step closer in some way of, of, of that sharing of hearts and that bearing of souls with him? Or, or you maybe to lay down your life. It, it probably isn't gonna be get your head lobbed off somewhere. It's probably gonna be a tiny little thing of, of a simple decision to follow him and laying down your life for someone else or or unto him. But just, I'd like to give just a couple of minutes. We're gonna have a song play. Just happens to be, it is a movie tune. I did pretty good. I didn't quote a lot of movies, this message. I didn't talk about Woody and Buzz, knowing how important it is to have a friend in me. But I am gonna play a little movie track. And just uh, close your eyes and just press into Jesus. I just ask him to speak to you. What aspect of the sweet friendship with him He wants to pull into the forefront right now. Whatever he's begun to speak to you, I just want to encourage you, pick up that conversation when you leave this place. Don't let this one drop. I think this is a big one. Jesus loves you and he esteems you and he wants close friendship with you. that's a treasure, guys. That's a beautiful, beautiful thing that can just completely rewire us on the inside out. It's like turning the laptop off and back on and just starting up the operating system and refreshing everything when it comes through the filter of that he's called us friends. You know, next week we're gonna talk about him being our Lord and, you know, asking us to follow him and follow his direction in our lives. But I think it's so important to really base it in the idea of He's called us to be his friends. He loves hanging out with us. He enjoys our company. Make sure you keep that conversation going later. One last thing that I think we have the opportunity to do this morning before we dismiss is this. You know, Jesus made reference to us as his followers as friends of the bridegroom. Right? He talked about how the friends of the bridegroom act. And we know that the bride is the church. And Jesus is on a sort of historical mission till the end of days to gather a beautiful bride for himself for eternity. And I'm thankful that you and I are a part of that bride. But as we close here today and talk about caring about the things that our friend cares about, both sharing the things that we care about, but also taking on, right? Lord, what's in your heart, Jesus? what do you want me to pray about today? What, what, what is outside of kind of my little filter of what I see in my own path that, that you want to download into my heart? You know, one of those things uh, is, is the church around the world. In fact, uh, Ephesians 6, when it talks about the armor of God and all the, you know, breastplate of righteousness and helmet of salvation, at the very end of that armor of God, it says, and praying for the believers all around, I'm, I'm butchering the, the, the paraphrase, but and praying for all the believers around the world right, praying for others who join us. And today actually happens to be the international day of prayer for the persecuted church. And so, I, I'm sure you know this, but there are believers around the world that don't have the luxury that we do of just gathering together and, you know, the worst thing that can happen is, you know, they put cinnamon instead of sugar on our latte or, you know, we, we say, suffering for Jesus, but, you know, uh, there's people around the world that truly, genuinely are, are laying it all on the line who are um, uh, paying a great price to hold on to their faith in Jesus. And we have a privilege of, of just taking a moment. I'm gonna ha- have us watch a three-minute video and just to give us a little context. Then I'm gonna give an opportunity for whomever uh, one of you would like to, to close us in prayer. So as you watch this video, just be sensing if the Holy Spirit, if that's you, don't be shy, raise your hand at the end. I'll just have you come here, handheld mic, and, and you can pray for that church and then uh, we'll be dismissed. So take a look at this quick video uh, about the persecuted church. Legs uh, to that and um, again that website if you want more information about how to get directly involved is opendoorsusa.org opendoors plural usa.org uh, but i want to ask who would like to to lead us in that prayer um, for our persecuted brothers and sisters
1: Father, as we sit here in this very comfortable space, it is a little bit beyond our understanding and reasoning of what exactly some people are going through to practice their faith. Lord, I would pray that in some way we would get a glimpse of that persecution, a glimpse of that difficulty, a glimpse of the danger that some people go through each and every day just just to call themselves Christ followers. And how some of them put their faith to a real test when they speak out the way they do for you. Father, we pray for every pastor that might be ministering in some of those countries. And I ask, Lord God, that you would give them the strength, the finances, the the courage, the the favor, whatever it might be, Lord, that they would need to continue faithful in the work that they do. Father, we do ask that as in some way, shape, or form, that as we go throughout our days, we wouldn't just um, worry about the cinnamon or the... Or sugar that that was wrongly put in our drink or or a first world problem, but instead, help us to think in in third world realms in ways, Lord, that would that would help us to recognize that that there are people that are doing a whole lot more than we are to maintain the the Christian walk. And so, Father, I thank you so much for the opportunity that we have to be able to look at some a film like this and be reminded. Of the difficulty, the challenges, the, the enemy that is out there that wants to destroy everything that you are. Father, as we go today, let it be firm, firmly and foremost in our minds about who you are. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.
0: Amen. Thank you so much, Mark. Well, God bless you guys. We are dismissed.